Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. So, hey, in these last couple of weeks, I've spoken to you about our vision for 2024, and we're, we're going to kind of wrap up this morning. And usually I, I say it a little bit differently each year uh, as we come through it. And so the last time we, we looked at two parts of our vision, which includes serving and going. And, and so if we, if we do anything less than going to reach our world, world for Christ, or if we don't step up in service to one another, and to others, we're missing out on what God has for us. Uh, and we aren't called to greatness, but to service. And so those are some things that we need to keep in our minds. And something happens when we find ourselves serving. And we recognize our need to grow in our faith, right? It, it just, that's kind of what happens. It's like we notice we need to understand God's word for ourselves so that we can help others around us. Because we can't be an island to ourselves, right? People can try to do that, but it doesn't work very well, and it doesn't last very long. And so it's kind of like like this. You know, we, we, know, we notice, I should say, we notice that we need to understand God's word for ourselves, and it helps us to be able to assist others around us. And if you become a teacher or maybe a leader in some, at some level, you realize you need to learn enough to be able to help your student or your apprentice to grow, right? Uh, it's just part of it, right? You just have to be a little bit ahead of them. And the only way that they can grow is if you grow. Uh, and so uh, there, there's another part of this, too. If you're going to grow, you need to connect to others. Uh, as, uh, as we see that it's written in the book of Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Uh, I don't know if you'd think about that. When I was a kid and, and I just got out of high school, I was working at that locker plant out in Beloit. And, and while I was there going to school, uh, I, we, had to, uh, we had our knives. We had, to, we had to bone out meat and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things we used was the steel on the steel, you know, you take the knife and you, and you run that thing along the steel. And that, 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 that steel to steel action makes that, makes that uh, knife really sharp. And then you can do the work that you're trying to do. And that's the thing with us, too, is we, we need that interaction with others so that we can be much sharper than we are just by sharpening on a stone. If you want stronger faith, you need to get closer to those who have faith in Christ of their own. And as you walk with God and rub shoulders with others who walk with God, it can make you stronger. Now, today we're going to wrap up our series uh, here with the final part, which is worship. So uh, we've talked about uh, these other items, but now today we're going to look at worship. And, and you need to continue to remember what our mission is, is love God, love people, inspire hope. That, that is a, that's a chief overarching uh, thing that um, affects us and how we view our world and how we view one another and, and how we review our, uh, uh, how we view God. Yet we find worship is intrinsically embedded in our mission. It really is, if you look at that, uh, because to love God will include our action to worship. Now, uh, the writer of Hebrews says it this way. He says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, uh, he says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists 
and that he, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we understand that, that worship is an act of faith in God, and if we truly love God, we need to take the action, take that action to worship him. And as we get this started, please consider this. It's really difficult to separate worship and prayer. It's kind of difficult. Sure, they have separate attributes, but, but they are also interconnected there. So worship and prayer, they do kind of go together because we're, we're interacting with God. We're interacting with Him. And so today we're going to look at this, and we're going to look at three parts of this. And the first part is this. We find Jesus in the New Testament talking about worship before His death and resurrection. So we're going to kind of do it chronologically, if you want to say it that way. Uh, but, but we see that here He is talking uh, to some people about what real worship is about, and he meets this Samaritan woman. And so the scripture says in John chapter 4, verse 21, this. It says, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Then he goes on to say in verse 24, it says, God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship Him in the Spirit and in truth. So you have these two groups of people, right? They're related, right? Uh, the Samaritans and the Jewish people, they're related. And so there's just some things that happened in the past. And the Samaritans and the Jews had this running argument between them and, and where they should worship. Uh, should it be on the, mount, on the mountain where they were right there at that area in Gerasim? Should it be there? Or should it be at Jerusalem where the actual temple was? And so they had this kind of argument, but Jesus was saying things are changing. He's like, it doesn't matter what you're thinking right now, but he said things are changing. And he had, to, he, he had also said that the temple is going to come to ruins here. And we know it does in 70 AD when Titus sacks the city of Jerusalem. So we know it happens after Jesus' death and resurrection. But, but Jesus knew that worship was taking this major turn, and God was changing the layout of worship entirely because Jesus was going to pay, give his life to pay for our sin, changing the world, changing everything. And he was the final sacrifice. The book of Hebrews teaches us that. It's very, very plain as you read through the book of Hebrews. You can't get away from that. Jesus himself was the final sacrifice. And worship would change, and the old argument of where we're going to worship, well, is it going to be at Gerizim, or is it going to be in Jerusalem at the temple? Uh, all of that, it, you know, it's going to fall to the wayside. And it has. It would become a moot point. The, argument, the argument's gone. It's not, it's not there anymore. And here in verse 23, Jesus lays out some, some key truth. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the, true worship, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So a person must worship not simply outwardly by being in the right place, taking up the right attitude, but, but in, in his or her spirit. 
And Jesus' uh, phrase, spirit and truth, points to the need for complete sincerity and complete reality in our approach to God. We need to deal with things according to the truth. We need to have, have the right heart. We need to uh, be sincere as we interact with God. And it's not simply that he accepts such worship when it's brought to him, but he's a, he's a God of love, a God who seeks the best for people, and therefore God who actively seeks people out. That's something we must remember, friends. It was really God who sought us out. We may have thought we were on the, on the, uh, on the uh, uh, search to find something or despite, find spiritual truth, but God's saying, look, I'm going to find you. I'm looking for you. It's not that he doesn't know where we're at, right? But he's going to make sure that he makes that connection with us. That's what he desires. He actively seeks us out. Uh, the scholar Leon Morris, he says this, about this passage, he said, it, doesn't, uh, it, it is not likely that the word spirit there refers to the Holy Spirit there in verse 23, although the Spirit does help our worship. And in fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And so we know that the Spirit of God is involved in our worship. He's involved in our prayer. He helps us when we're weak and we don't know what to do. There's, an, there's another part to this because later, uh, Paul reminds us that God has sealed you who believe. He sealed you with the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And that's where in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 22, he says, he says that God set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is going to come or what is to come. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, he said, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. See, it's a work that God does inside of us. There's something he does inside of us. It's not just an outward thing but it's something that he does on the inside of a person. And Jesus himself takes, uh, takes us back to the truth in the prophets when, when he talks about being born again to Nicodemus and uh, John 3, 3. But, but uh, it, it's the work of God in your heart. So we, we truly worship out of the work Jesus did inside of our spirit once we were saved. We're born of the Spirit of God. It's kind of like this. You know, suppose you had a couple pitchers of water, and I didn't do it here because, you know me, I probably would have spilled it everywhere. But, but say, we, say we have a, a table up here, and, and there's a blinder for like those old Pepsi commercials. You know, they used to say, can you tell which one is better, and you drink the Pepsi or the Coke or whatever it is. And so you have, you have these two pitchers, and, and the first pitcher we're going to call pitcher number one, that pitcher is pure, clean water, and it's sitting there here in number one spot, but you can't see it, and you're going to come up and ask me to have one of them, you know. And the second pitcher there is is just dirty, old, muddy water. And so you got pitcher number one, you got pitcher number two. So, so if you come up and say, hey, I want a drink of water, and I would say, which one would you like? 
And you'd say, well, uh, no, number one, we, we, we want the number two. You know, that it's going to be dirty, right? It's going to be filthy. You, you really don't want that kind of water. You, what you want the water, that number one water, that, that great water that when you pour it, it's clean, it's pure, and you can drink it. It's refreshing on a hot day. You, you enjoy that, right? You know, worship is kind of like that. If our faith is fully in Jesus and we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, what will come out of our worship will be clean water. But if our faith really isn't in Jesus, our worship, or if we try to live our own way, our, our worship will, will simply be filthy water poured out before God. What kind of worship do you want to give to God? We want to give from that clean spirit where God has worked in our lives. There's been a transformation of heart and He sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's the kind of worship we want to give God. So, so we've looked at what Jesus said before His death and His resurrection. And now let's, let's look at the next part here. We look here in the early church and both were the apostles, the, the, the remainder, the 120, and the priests that came to faith, and, and the others who came to faith in Jesus, both Jews and Gentiles, and those who were converts to Judaism, and we see all these different people. So the second one we see here is we find worship playing out in the early church. It's taking place there, and in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 uh, to 44, it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. So there were some things that God was doing. He was working in their lives, and there was some interaction between the people and God. There was some interaction between one another, uh, and, and so we see that. But remember how I said earlier, it's, it's difficult to separate worship and prayer. Really, yes. Uh, and sure, they have separate attributes, and uh, they also are interconnected, though. And they're, here in Acts, in chapter 2, verse 42... Uh, we, uh, we, are, uh, we are a couple chapters into the book of Acts at this point, but so, some good things have really been happening by this time, and they've been devoting themselves to prayer, not to prayer itself, but to God, right, really? Uh, and, and so that prayer part is important, and really prayer is a part of worship, and worship includes prayer so that they are hard to completely separate because of that. In fact, you find the early church still practicing the prayer schedule of the Jewish people several times a day. That was just normal for them. They continued to do that. And in the beginning of the book of Acts, the disciples among the 120 were waiting as Jesus told them in the upper room. They were waiting to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Did they know exactly what was going to take place? Probably not yet, but they knew that they were going to be filled. And so they were waiting and so, but they were in a place of prayer. We find the early church in prayer and waiting. Then once they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they became powerful witnesses of Christ. But prayer and worship was not ignored, and neither personally nor as they gathered together in large groups as well in the temple. Look at what Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says. It says they, uh, they, they, were, they had hung out in the temple courts 
Uh, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And so, and you go on from there. But, but so in verse 47, we see that it includes, it includes praise. And it isn't, uh, this isn't really a deep study of worship, so to say, and praise. But praise is part of worship in a basic sense. So it's just that it's a little bit more about bragging on God, right? And that's kind of what praise is, if you want to say it that way. It's like when we get in and we worship, there's some songs where we, we're bragging on God and saying, look what God did. Look what God did. And we're saying that to one another. And what, what does that produce? It produces encouragement and reminding one another, hey, that's why we need to stick things out together. It's because it reminds one another, hey, God did do something here. And we need to recognize that he wants to do something in our lives. So it's kind of about bragging on God and telling others of the things he's done. So the early church, they were praying, they were worshiping. Uh, and they were praising. This needs to be you and I today. It needs to be something working in our lives as a body. That's what we did earlier, wasn't it? But we're not finished with worship, right? Because we're looking at the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to speak into our lives as well, which is still another part and act of worship as well. So th this is who we are as the body of Christ, to love God, to love people, inspire hope. Uh, it's to worship him. And in the book of Acts, we find a Roman military leader. So now, now we get outside uh, the, the, the Jewish people and we, we find this, this Roman military leader named Cornelius. But he believed in God. He was a believer. He believed in God. And he had been worshiping. And look what he's telling the story of a situation here over in the book of Acts chapter 30. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 30. I'm going to get it right here in a second. And, and, and he says this. He said, three days ago, I was in my house sleeping. No, it doesn't say that, does it? I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. That's right, the time of prayer that it tended to be. And suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. So the angel of the Lord comes and he meets this guy, he, a Gentile guy, right? He, he meets him, this Roman, and, and he says, what I need you to do is, is to go get Peter. Go send for Peter. You know, he's a leader. He's got some people under him. He can send him away. And so, uh, so, so what's the deal here? He was praying. In other words, he was worshiping in his home, which comes together, and God sent his angel in response to his prayer, to his worship. And you can see his worship even included gifts to the poor because he had been given to those who are needy. And something you can't forget is you always see Paul in the synagogues and uh, in his ministry on, on a regular basis. They're always connecting to one another, and it's important for us. Uh, uh, you know, Paul, he, he's an interesting fellow as he went out and preached the gospel among the Gentiles and the Jewish population. Uh, he, he made sure that he stayed connected with others. He was not an island to himself. He didn't just sit there by himself and say, you know, say, hang out and, and pray and fast and read by himself. There were others in his life at all the time. 
And we need to be the kind of people who have others in our lives who, who love the Lord and who serve the Lord. Uh, it's, it's so important. You know, worship played out in many locations and usually with prayer and with uh, and like it was with Cornelius, um, it included prayer and giving. Yet we know that true worship comes from the heart. It comes from deep inside of our heart. Uh, it's kind of like having a small child who jumps up in their parent or their grandparent's lap. That, that child is maybe five years old or something. They jump up and they, they hug that parent or grandparent and, and, uh, and say they, they love you. And it's just no, no big reason. They just do. Why? Because they, they know that you take care of them. They know that you care for them. And, uh, and so it, it means so much. And they just, it comes, it's something that comes from the heart. Right? Something that comes from the heart. And so in some sense, we're kind of like that child thanking God for taking care of us in this great big world that we live in. It's a crazy world, but we know that he's got it under control. And worship should come from a heart of gratitude. You know, that maybe that five-year-old little kid may, may even say at one point after they say they love you, thank you for giving me that cookie. You know, I think we're I think we're like that with God too at times. Thank you, Lord, for doing this. And, and, and so we're not much different, right? And finally, the the third side of this is this: we should find worship playing out in our lives daily. We should find it playing out in our lives daily. Uh, there are several passage passages in the Scripture that should have an effect on us when it comes to worshiping. From, from our hearts to God. But one of those passages is entwined uh, with how we relate to one another and making a solid, healthy connection. And, uh, and we, we find it in the book of Hebrews. We talk a lot about it today in this day and age, and we've talked about it a lot in the, in the world gone by. But Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says in verse 25 these words, or in verse 23, he said, let us not hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And, God, and let us con consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day Approaching. Now, if you notice there, that word where it says in that last phrase, the day approaching, it's a capital D. It's referring towards the day of the Lord, the return of Christ. And so you have to understand that's, that's why it's not a small D there in most translations. Uh, but, but you see here, he, he's challenging us. And, and it comes down to this in our faith and our worship. Uh, we need God and we need each other. We do. We need God and we need each other. That's just a reality. This is where connect and worship collide. They just, they hit one another. They, they're intertwined together again. And we just can't get away from that. We can try to, but it's not really going to help anybody. And the writer of Hebrews actually tells us to figure out some ways that we can encourage each other when we're all together. That's a part of our walk of faith. That's a part of what we do when we live uh, for the Lord and when we uh, want to interact with others and encourage each other. It's part of our worship. You say, well, how in the world is that part of our worship? Well, we love God first, and then we love others, right? 
And so if, if we're going to be, uh, be people who worship God in spirit and in truth, we're going to learn to become people who encourage and lift up other believers. Yeah, sure, we all miss it at times, right? We all miss it. You know, have you ever been distracted? Uh, I've never been distracted. Have you? You know, yeah. <laughs> my, I'm surprised my wife isn't laughing on the floor. Uh, but yeah, so... So, you know, we get distracted at times, don't we? And so sometimes we miss the boat on that, right? We, we miss a time where we can encourage somebody because we just didn't, didn't notice it. Squirrel! And, and you know, so that, that's what happens sometimes to us. But we have to be careful. In our worship, you need to remember that the day of the Lord is approaching. And so in His return is still near. But you have to take this time to encourage one another while we have the time. And you know, some people are not very encouraged because they won't let others get close to them. Others aren't very encouraged because they don't want to take the time out of their schedule. So we have to be able to take the time and we have to recognize others need us too, right? Look at these next verses from what the Apostle Paul says over in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, in verse 18, he says this. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. We'll talk about that word. I know it's, uh, we usually don't use that in our house. Well, honey, we don't want to see them going to debauchery. No, I understand. We're going to get there. Okay. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful passage. Uh, if Getting this word debauchery, it, it's an extreme indulgence in physical pleasures. That's what it is. And, and today we can kind of move it towards, it's kind of setting a person up for addiction. In other words, it's, it will compromise your life in different ways. In this world, we know it has probably has a very high rate of addiction in comparison to the past. Not that it, it's always been there, but it's a real challenge in our world, right? And so he's saying, don't do that kind of stuff. Don't be running that direction. And he's but run the direction towards the Lord. But Paul's main focus here is about worship and singing and speaking with psalms and, and uh, songs. Uh, and uh, we're to make music from our hearts to God. We, we, we need to always give the Lord thanks in our lives and in our services. If you can sing, sing to the Lord. Right? If you can't sing, sing to the Lord anyway. Uh, he's a parent. He can put up with your tune if you're off. That doesn't mean you would be le uh, you would be leading in the worship team. But but anyhow, even, even the Old Testament praisers, they had to be skilled at that. They were supposed to be skilled at singing, etc. But worship and prayer are the crux of what we are about as a church body, because it's interaction with God. It's interaction with Him. It, it's worship of the Lord. And yes, God blesses our lives, but even if He doesn't, we will praise Him because there is not any other God besides Him. We need to keep life in perspective. But to keep it in perspective, and finally, let's, let's look at the last scripture as we consider uh, some, of, some of the uh, importance of worship. It comes from Paul as, 
as he writes to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, his words are for us today in this world as well. And he says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 22, these words. He said, and I preached on it not all that long ago, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. So he, he's, he's giving us some things for worship and, and uh, focus on how we could focus on doing the right things and how we should handle ourselves and stuff. And we need to be willing to be grateful to God in every situation that we're in, right? Doesn't mean every situation is easy, right? We all know that's not always true. Uh, and, and so not every situation is easy, but we need to be gr uh, grateful to him because we know that he takes care of us. It doesn't mean that we'll thank God for the trouble we face, but we, we can be grateful He's with us when we walk through the fire because on occasion, we do walk through the fire, right? That's part of living. We also need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives. We need to recognize when it's uh, the Lord speaking to us. We need to, uh, we need to test the prophetic message up against the Scripture and what the Lord is saying to us. See, that's why it's so important that we know what God's Word says. We need to know His Word. His Word is important for us. We need to test those messages and see what the Lord is saying. And then we need to hold on to those good things that God has given to us. You know, sometimes if you're not careful, uh, you can get into a place where you don't want to hear what God has to say. And, and friend, that's a dangerous place to be. Uh, let God speak into your life. Let Him bring hope. Let Him bring transformation. And let Him bring strength to your faith because you need Him. I need Him. We all need Him. We have to trust Him. And you need, uh, you need what he has to give you. Don't get yourself backed into the corner by saying, God, I don't want to take your path because I think I can get there from here. <laughs> that's, that's not the words that we should say, is it? We need to be able to say, here I am, Lord. When God speaks into your life, it can be more transforming than you ever expect. We're going to wrap this up this morning. We're going to conclude here. But where are we going? Well, in general, we know this. And this should actually guide all of the things that we do as a body of believers and as individuals as well, is to love God, love people, inspire hope. That should be something that's implanted down deep inside of our hearts. Are we loving God? We can ask ourselves, are we loving other people? And are we inspiring hope in, in other people's lives as well? It, it should be a picture of who we are. We, we are to become a people who connect to one another and, and who grow in our faith and our walk with Christ, becoming stronger disciples. We're to be people who serve others. Uh, we aren't called for greatness but service. And when, uh, then we're called to go. Go and share with our, with our neighbors and those others through missions around the world, 
We, we need to be able to share. And finally, we're drawn to worship in spirit and in truth. We're called to worship from our hearts, from a clean heart, a heart of faith, like the clean pitcher of water. That's what we're called done to. I'm not sure where you're at at this point in your life. I don't know if your heart, if, if, if we could open your heart and see, not with open heart surgery, but if we could open your heart and see, is there a clear, is there a clear pitcher of water there? Or is it just a muddy, murky mess? You know, we understand that the only way that that muddy, murky mess can be changed to a clear pitcher of water is by faith in Jesus Christ, trusting in Him, putting our faith in Him, and allowing the Spirit of God to do what He wants to do in our lives, which is that transforming work inside of our hearts. You know, we talked recently about uh, washing feet as Jesus did that for His disciples, and we talked about service in that. We understand that reason why they had to wash their feet was because they're walking down the road and he had even told them look guys you're you're clean because peter's like oh no you, give me a you have to give me a bath or something lord he's like come on peter he's like look you've already had a bath you don't need that but you need to wash your feet and it may be today that your feet are dirty spiritually speaking maybe your heart's clean but you got some things there and got some things that if we washed your feet, that the, the, the pan would be pretty full of dirt. But the, this is the time to be able to come before the Lord and say, Lord, here I am, all this stuff, you know, I've been walking through this life. I'm trusting you, I'm walking with you. But my feet are dirty and I need them washed today. Would you transform me today and help me? If that's your prayer today, why don't you pray that to the Lord in your own words? Maybe for you, it's not, it's not that. You know that inside of your heart, your heart is a filthy wreck. And you need that transformation that only Jesus can provide for you. And He is willing to do that in your life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? You may say here, that's, that's me, Lord. One of those is me. Would you just lift your hand between me and God? between you and God. Okay. Father, I pray for those this morning that lifted their hands and they're, they're being honest with you, God, and they're saying, God, I, I need my feet washed. I need some cleansing. I need to be washed in my life. I pray, Father God, that you would minister to them, whether they're here in this room or whether they're online. I pray, Father God, that you would just touch their lives and restore Father, for those who have not yet stepped out in faith to trust what you have done, Jesus, on the cross, I pray that you would help them as they open their hearts to what you have for them, which is life eternal. And all they have to do is put their faith in what you did, Jesus, on the cross, that you raised from the grave, and that you're the returning Savior. Father, God, help them as they put their trust in you. We give you thanks this morning. We offer ourselves to you fully, Lord, in Jesus' name.
Amen.